That was uh, Dr. Larry Brilliant. Again, his book, Sometimes Brilliant, The Impossible Adventure of a Spiritual Seeker and Visionary Physician Who Helped Conquer the Worst Disease in History. I mean, of all the people we've interviewed, and I mentioned this to him, and everybody having very interesting backgrounds, virtually everyone, this guy's background was the most amazing. He, he was an extra in a film, and he got paid with a plane ticket to India. He used the money with some friends to uh, rent buses in Europe. They wound up in India. He wound up in an ashram. I mean, it's just an unbelievable story. Yeah, it is. And um, uh, with the exception of certain uh, amazing pieces of it, um, there were a lot of people who took overland hippie journey from Europe to India in those days. In fact, I was planning to do it myself. And uh, when I was going to Rishikesh for teacher training to become a TM teacher, but then the course in Rishikesh was canceled. So I never did take that uh, overland journey that many people did through countries that have been at war now for, you know, the last decade or two. It's amazing that people used to just be able to, you know, go through those countries, Iran, Pakistan, Afghanistan. That trip ain't going to happen anymore for at least for a long time. And, yeah. uh, but, but, and then you wound up in uh, Estes Park, Colorado. If I yeah, yeah, I did. So I did. A- but, no, but you're right. And, and, and I didn't know that certain parts of the story that he just told. I mean, going to the American Express office and being online behind Ramdas. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. And, and then and, also uh, the, 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 his encounter with Steve Jobs when Steve Jobs I know. was a young hippie. And, and, and it's yeah. interesting what he said about Steve Jobs. He said, the one feature about him was how curious he was about mm. everything and mm-hmm. how many questions he asked. And, and obviously, you know, nobody, uh, we've all met people that have gone on to do sort of amazing things. And if you knew them early on, a lot of times, uh, you, know, <laughs> yeah, st- you might have stayed in touch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was smart enough yeah. to stay. In he touch. could have said, yeah, someday they'll have something called the Internet. And yeah. once they connected that way. No, I've, I've met people, you know, around L.A. and, you know, casually and this and that. And then a few years later, I see them accepting Academy Awards. And, yeah, you know. exactly. That's, a, <laughs> well, that's life, right? So anyway, yeah. uh, he was uh, 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 now at the ashram uh, that he was at. Did they uh, did they was there a particular spiritual practice or meditation? No, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. It's one of the things I discovered when writing American Veda. And I, by the way, I was at that ashram briefly. I took my uh, my tour there last year when we were in that part of India. We we spent a, a, a couple of hours at the it's ashram. Still, it's still an active uh, function. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Neem Karoli's, you know, and a lot of the places mm-hmm. like the rooms where he would meet with people and everything are little shrines now. But it's still there, you know, tucked into the hillside in the in the Himalayas. And um, anyway, um, what I learned when I was uh, uh, researching American Veda was that Neem Karoli Baba uh, didn't go in very much for uh, techniques and practices. Mm-hmm. You know, he was all about darshan mm-hmm. and um, and love and service. And uh, he loved Kirtan. That's why we have Ram. That's why we have Krishna Das and Jayu Tal because you know uh, they learned to do Kirtan around him. That was part of 
you know, the devotional practice. But what one of the interesting things was people wanted to learn to meditate and and all that. So he had uh, in practice in uh, you know, learn maybe yogasanas. So he had teachers that he would send them to, mm-hmm. and um, uh, apparently one of the yogis nearby was. Uh, Baba Haridas, who eventually came to America and started Mount Madonna. And, and uh, another person, sort of his referral service, was um, a great Buddhist teacher, Goenka. And some of the people who had gone to see Neem Karoli wanted to learn a meditation practice, so they went to Goenka. And some of those people ended up becoming the leading uh American Buddhist teachers, Jack Cornfell, really? Jack Cornfell, <laughs> Sharon Salzberg. We should have so Cornfell started out at Neem Karoli Baba's. That, ashram. That's that's what I was wow. told. And, and, then and, he, and, and where is that in India? It's um, it's near the ninety tal. It's in the north north in, of India, and sort of the eastern part of North India. So in the foothills of the Himalayas, like yeah, and and from from there, I mean, you're fairly close uh, to enough to see, you know, snow-capped mountains right, and all right. from that area. But it's, it's sort of, you know, on the way to Nepal, you could say. Right. You know, uh, I've known other people that have uh, been with uh, gurus and been very devoted, and then the guru would say something like. Uh, and we saw this in the TM movement, uh, where the guru would say, "Okay, go and uh, get your PhD in in Sanskrit, or go get your PhD in uh, physiology, or become a whatever it was." And then those people, because they felt this was like a message from God, or you know, the from from, from you know the, uh, from some divine level, when they went to get that PhD, they were going to be the top student in the class because they went there with such amazing focus, and this was not just something they were going to do to get a job. This was fulfilling the request of their, their, their teacher. And so uh, I'm sure when, uh, you know, that's what motivated him to meet with those people at the, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, United World Health Organization, wherever it was, he said 15 times. He wasn't going to give up because he knew in his mind it was the right thing to do and eventually it would happen. So, uh, yeah, I've seen that before and he, it's re- remarkable what he did and, and again, uh, you know, our theme uh, sometimes when discussing with our guests, taking that inner development and bringing it out to make a better world, it was very clear uh, that's, uh, you know, he's a perfect example of that. Yes, he is. And it's also interesting that, uh, you know, he gets kept going back. Now, if he just had the idea to go to work for the World Health Organization, or it was just some young doctor, you know, wanting to do good work. Um, I don't know that he would have had that kind of persistence. Right. But because his guru kept telling him to go back, he did, he went back. There was no going. <laughs> there was no going to see the guru again until he had uh, accomplished what he yeah, said so, to do. You know, the guru was going to keep sending him back. You know, so he didn't have much choice but to clean up his act. And I, you know, that whole uh, business of you know, cutting your hair and shaving and put on good clothes. You know, some of us who right. uh, work, worked for Maharishi in the TM movement know knows what that was like and right, the right. You know, ill-fitting suits. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, sometimes being a good disciple, mm-hmm. 
you know, it, it, it has led some people astray, but it has also changed people's lives for the better, you know, by, by saying, well, my guru told me to do this. Um, you know, sometimes that's the absolute best thing to do. And it, it obviously was for, for young Dr. Brilliant. Dr. What a, what a, what a name. And he also mentioned, uh, uh, he, he didn't discuss his, uh, religious upbringing, but he did mention that, uh, you know, within Judaism and within Hinduism, there is the message, the teaching to go out and uh, create a better world. So I assume he grew up Jewish, whether he was observant or, or orthodox or reformed or whatever, I don't know. But certainly uh, that had a big impact. <laughs> whatever it was, he certainly sounds like he had a good Jewish mother. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and uh, it's 97 and still uh, using uh, <laughs> his title of doctor to make reservations. That was very funny. I have a feeling she was tremendously supportive and also... Uh, you know, his wife, uh, she was a, a disciple or with him. Uh, yeah. She was on the same spiritual journey. And I, and I liked it. He said, who said hippie couples don't stay together? It's yeah, 47 really. years later, they're together. Yeah. And obviously have been on a, not only a romantic path together, but on a very spiritual path, supporting yeah. one another. And uh, that that's a great story in and of itself. Well, it's also another story of a strong, great woman um, being a, a driving force and not getting enough credit for it. Right. You know, she, 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 you know, as he put it, it was a, you know, a negotiation to even get him to go to the ashram and look how it changed mm -hmm. his life. And it turns she has a, uh, I read a PhD in public health administration, uh, 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 and an equal partner in many of her husband's enterprises. I was reading. Well, there you go. Founder so. of Siva foundation. She uh, was instrumental in the world health organization, smallpox, eradication program so she's really out there so on the front lines she's as well. been there yeah been there yeah. with her yeah. own expertise and her own action all these years right. so good for her and and so i'm glad we can uh, give her some credit right and all, I mean, you go ahead yeah no um i think sometimes uh, in these spiritual movements and a lot of great things that happen in the world um there are people who don't get enough credit and right. uh, most of the time they're women Right, and, and often in the spiritual world, like every other parts, every every ins other institution in the world, there's a lot of uh, sexist uh, uh, behavior, and and and, and uh, 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 women's role uh, has been uh, diminished in many organizations. We still see that certainly in Catholicism, but I think that's changing, and people are becoming aware, more aware of the female spiritual luminaries that have been with us in the past and continue to be with us in the present. And, and I think the future is going to be more and more of that. I, mm -hmm. I, speak, I speak from time to time at uh, yoga gatherings, right. uh, you know, modern yoga gatherings. I was just at a, a, gave a talk at a, a group that was being trained as yoga teachers. And they were like, you know, there was one guy and mm -hmm. a, a room full of women. And and so the leadership is probably going to be shifting in a more feminine direction. Mm -hmm. Wow. So um, he is now uh, uh, very involved uh, with some of the philanthropic work of Silicon Valley. And that's a great thing also, the fact that these young entrepreneurs that have started these uh, tremendously successful companies uh, want to give back and uh, that they seek out the help of people like Larry, uh, in doing that, and 
I'm yeah. sure a lot, a lot of good stuff will come out of it. Well, uh, a yep. very memorable okay. guest. Uh, and, yep. uh, and I also want to say, he mentioned uh, this is the fifth. This, we, 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 this discussion, this taping went on in, uh, it is now 2017. And the 50th anniversary of the Summer of Love, 1967. <laughs> and, he, and I like that he said, look, that back then, a lot of us were starry-eyed and said, hey, the world has changed. It's a new age and all that. And, you know, um, many of our group have maybe become callous to that belief, but it's still there. Much has changed for the good, and uh, many of the good movements forward that exist uh, in our society today just started then. So uh, never give up hope. Move forward. Yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, not to get nostalgic and sound like, you know, the old guys at the nursing home talking about <laughs> their their past, yeah. but it's relevant today. You know, I meet younger um, spiritual people all the time. You know, some people who, you know, been on, who are devotees of Neem Karoli Baba, who were born long after he died, and all the yoga, young yoga teachers and practitioners and, um and, you know, they don't want to hear about some stuff that happened 50 years ago any more than uh, during the summer of love. We wanted to hear about, you know, World War One or whatever. But um, but it's relevant today right. because a lot of what, you know, they're um, has influenced their lives in the spiritual direction just really took off. Right. 50 years ago and it, it influenced their parents and their grandparents and the, the whole so the whole culture so yeah, it's, I, rele I, it's relevant I spoke, I spoke to a young person not long ago who had watched somehow had watched the movie Woodstock I mean I think maybe they were visiting their parents and they had to watch it and and they said wow I, I wish I had lived during that era it was looked like a lot of fun you know so yeah uh, I know there were aspects of it that were fun for sure yeah, well, uh, it's also romanticized because there were aspects that weren't so much Absolutely, fun, yeah, like so. bad bad drug trips <laughs> and uh, Vietnam and people dying, and you know, so it wasn't all all uh, peace and love. Exactly, but a very eventful time. And Larry Brilliant is one of those people who were influenced by that time, who's gone on to you know really do his share. of making the world a better place. And again, his book, Sometimes Brilliant. Till next yeah. time, Phil. Okay, Dennis. See you later. Later.